place where you're looking to figure out how to heal after narcissistic abuse? Today I have a guest, Dr. Annie Castina, and she is a brilliant lady. I am so in awe of all of her work, and we're going to talk about how do we heal, what, what differences do we both see in how people, what they need to do, what they need to heal. It's going to be a great conversation. So this is Tracy Malone, the founder of NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. I'm a coach and I'm here to help you, but let's get in and talk to Annie. Welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for joining me today. We, I am so excited that you're here. Well, it's lovely to be speaking with you today, Tracy. I'm really excited too. Yay. Well, we are going to, to broach the subject of healing from narcissistic abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, people come in every stage. So either they're just learning what a narcissist is, or they've figured it out and they're not hyper vigilant about gobbling up every book that they can and watching every video and they're ready to heal but for you you know when do you think people should start worrying and thinking about the healing versus the education factor well i can't see why you wouldn't start thinking about healing right from the start it's i think it's really important to acknowledge that you have been deeply wounded and healing is about healing that wound. Education helps you know what wounded you, but I think healing should start from the very beginning. Certainly that was one of the first things on my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, good God, I've been in an abusive relationship. I didn't know. How do I heal? Um, yeah. There's... I didn't, yeah, I didn't like to feel broken. I didn't want to be stuck in that place. And and I think that's that's exactly where people make the mistake of going, I'll heal after. And to me, mm -hmm. I believe yes. that you begin to heal as you read the books, as you listen to videos, you're sitting there, yeah. you're identifying the wounded things, right? The the fear, the anger, the hurt, the rejection. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're you're just going through this list of things that in addition to hyper focusing on how narcissists ruin holidays for example it's like okay how many videos are you going to watch about that let's start to think about that <laughs> as much as how much they will ruin valentine's day absolutely and i think you know when we are in an abusive relationship we learn to numb ourselves and numb ourselves and numb ourselves and when we say well i'll put my healing on the back burner until it's more layers of numbness mm -hmm. and the more layers of numbness we build the harder it is to actually get back in there and feel our emotions and work with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think if you think there's there's different situations which empower people to, to move down the, the, the recovery ladder faster. So if you were, say, the dump bee, you were dumped, you were, mm. you were betrayed, you were, you know, they want a divorce and it's a shock to you. That's a different, you know, funnel going into the learning because you've got the the betrayal factor you've got the the oh no i had no idea we were not happy factor right mm -hmm. and then you've got the people where they've been planning their escape they have the where the, the means to get away and they seem to be in a much higher level of being able to recover faster because it was their idea mm. do you find that as well uh, yes I do. I think 
Well, I like to think that when the dumpees get a picture of what happened, when they get clarity, they can move fast. But it's getting to that point. Yeah, it's it's just another hurdle. I think the, yeah. the trail always it, it's always that who does that, um, you know, <laughs> what kind yes. of person? I actually have a mug back here. That, I was like, who does that? <laughs> People say it every day when they're just in that shock, deer in the headlights. Um, they they yes. need answers, right? They need that validation, which is what we do. Well, you know, yeah, absolutely. We're like, okay, well, that's this and that's this. And you know, you explain these things, and then the light bulbs start to go off, and maybe they go home and read a, a 18-page article on gaslighting because they've never heard that word. But it empowers them when they have the the language connected to the actual memories and that that that's the validation that they need, especially in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, I know that for me, when I didn't know what it was, I, I was just drifting in an uncharted sea. Mm -hmm. The language gives you the compass. Yeah, yeah. So how do you tell people to, where do you start people on their recovery path? I start them exactly where they are. Um, and this is one of the things I constantly say to people, people who have had bad experiences of therapy or whatever, that you always have to start with the person exactly where they are, not where you might like them to be or where they might like to be. And sometimes when I start working with a client, it is not their big issues that they bring. It can be something more immediate, you know, because yes, I've got to heal from narcissistic abuse, but this has happened. And it never seems to matter where we start from because everything feeds into those big issues. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the daily problems that they face, like how am I going to make a decision on whether I sell the house or not, which they might think is a financial decision obviously has a, um, a financial element but the uncertainty the anxiety the need to do it right away comes from that place of i don't know who i am i don't know if i'm on shifting sands all the time i don't know how to do my life so i start wherever we are with validation it's always listening validation mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's what i find people need most of yeah i yeah. think i think that is is the key that's you have to understand and that that's the validation you know mm. i actually have and i i make joke of it but i have a rubber stamp and they mm. go we're not actually diagnosing them it's your yeah. feelings your absolutely what you're going through the name is giving us a book that you can read. It's giving you yes. material to understand what happened. We're not going to diagnose them, but we don't need to. We just need to yeah. see if they check all these things and you're experiencing this, then here's how we unpack those layers. Because <clears throat> as I find, and, and I'm sure you do too, many victims of narcissistic abuse tend to either um, have something in their past, like a family, or they've been in a relationship like this that was a little different. This one's covert. The other one was so grandiose. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, I'll never have that one again. And then they, they you know, mistakenly take the covert, more, you know, subdued, kind, open face, charming yeah. one. 
and they're not expecting that they, they, they thought okay i'm going the complete opposite of what i had before this couldn't possibly be do you have that happen as well totally um totally occasionally you get someone who said well i had a really you know happy secure childhood and it often turns out that that was not the case behind every victim who turns up there tends to be a very very long chain of abuse you know it runs in families often through generations after generations mm -hmm. and it is so normal that they can't they and that was me too um can't see that there is a different world out there because that is the world they know it's always been that way that they've been taught to accommodate to abuse abuse is normal in that world yeah and, and the, the, the tactics are not abuse right for me i was i was taught that ghosting was our family vacation oh we'll be back don't worry about it. that's just what happens in families and you know, yeah I would talk to my parents and go but Teresa's family's really nice and they have Thanksgiving together. Don't compare us to other families, you know, and yes. I was quick yes. shut down to not expect what other families got. Yes, I got all of that. And my parents always said, we're very normal. We're just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't quite work that out. I knew they were very different, but I thought, well, they must must believe that they must know what they're talking about mm -hmm. um and they were like their parents mm -hmm. that was the only way in which they were like other people but it was an interesting um an interesting experience of living in a parallel universe you know with this mm -hmm. um this is the way we do it this is the right way it was all crazy yeah, the, the 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 voices of you know things like good girls don't do this or yeah. you give to others before you give to yourself. Don't be selfish and all yeah. of the recordings that really made us narc bait, not being able to set boundaries or knowing what they even were. Because why would your narc parent teach you to empower yourself? Because they Precisely. were would have empowered yourself against narc parents preach preach unselfishness because that's what works for them they have a plan for your life mm -hmm. yeah exactly so really let's, let's ask about wounds you know i find that most people as we dig and we look at not only their past and the relationship they might have come to us with but they have trust issues how, they, how could they not exactly everything that that they have had in their life shows them why they shouldn't trust mm. now what other kind of wounds do you feel that people the victims of narcissistic abuse have well obviously there's a lot of abandonment and rejection in that interesting place where those two meet mm -hmm. um not feeling good enough mm -hmm. this crazy weird kind of excluded from the mass of humanity thing Mm -hmm. which can sometimes play out in looking at people and going yeah I know other people can be happy but it's not like that for me mm -hmm. so there's this whole thing of being emotionally marginalized not good enough um other than 
people abandoned, rejecting, never expecting anything good to happen to them, never expecting anything good to last, and being trained to take the blame for everything that happens, mm -hmm. you know, basically on the same continent as them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> I think shame and guilt, you know, um, when we are... Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Guilty, and then, you know, forgive, you know, the, the guilt and the shame, the shame of our family's not like others. Um, let's keep that quiet. That's what kept us quiet about the abuse growing up because we would shame the family. Yeah, shame was a biggie. It was my mother's constant refrain about anything. You should be ashamed of yourself. So I was. Mm -hmm. I didn't even ask her what I needed to be ashamed for. It was just so inherent in guilt. You know, mm -hmm. I was fed guilt with my mother's milk virtually. And we're all, they're so, um, those are so incredibly omnipresent that they didn't even spring to mind yes you know they just yeah of course shame and guilt they are always there yeah and and it that kind of environment. helps i think it, it helps to understand even the difference between shame and guilt when i ask clients that they're just like oh i don't really know what the difference is you know and, and really Gosh, it's 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 fascinating because, again, if our parents didn't teach us emotional resilience or even talk about this instead of feeding it to us, like you said, um, then how would we know the difference? Right. And and shame mm. is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. And most people uh, just take on that shame. I am bad because of all the guilt that has sunk them into the quicksand of, of their life. And so to get that clarified and go, something was bad or you did something bad. And I'm not saying in this case, any victim did. Um, it mm. is just that the, the narcissist accused you of these things. So, okay, I'm guilty. I shouldn't have done that. I, I'll apologize. I'll make it better. I'll work harder. And we're, we're going, we're, we're not going to ever get anywhere because we are then taking it on and shaming ourselves. We're the bad ones. We can't have a real relationship and the negative thought patterns that get recorded into our head that I'm not good enough and I don't really deserve anything better than this. It's okay. I'll settle on this because I'm not really worthy of mm. real life that the rest of the world seems to have. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about so. boundaries? Yeah. Boundaries. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, boundaries are these things that they learn in other families, which we were not privy to. Um, I find that most people come to me and they say, I know I need boundaries. I say, yep. Do you know what a boundary is? Uh, a boundary is telling people what I don't like. Mm, no, not exactly. We were brought up in a home where we had no boundaries. Um, abusive parents overstep the mark every which way. You're not allowed your thoughts. You're not allowed your feelings. You're not allowed anything. Um, and you're told exactly what to think. And you are rubbished and shamed and blamed if you don't think it. Mm -hmm. You are not allowed to speak with your own voice. So you hear this thing about boundaries, which are meant to be really good. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a totally foreign world so when i teach boundaries i always start from teaching people a framework for where why and how you might put a boundary in place that they might understand before we go into you do this you do that and you do the other but first of all they need a structure to understand where they would put boundaries um or where yeah where would they where they would put boundaries in certain senses like most people have boundaries or a very primitive boundary with money you don't give someone money just because they ask you to or they say to you can I have your credit card and you say no mm -hmm. and that's the kind of thing that you can start to translate into other areas of life mm -hmm. so it's literally creating something that they can make sense of before um, they can start to have boundaries and then acknowledging that it is incredibly hard to start saying no to people mm -hmm. who you've always said yes to so again there has to be a whole work piece of work involved in making that possible for them yeah, I, so boundaries are huge it's it's absolutely imperative because if you were raised as we're talking about where there were no boundaries, then um, we reach a, a place where we don't even know what they do, how to enforce them. And it's for the people who are still with a narcissist, narcissists are, you know, boundary breakers. They are really not going to honor people's boundaries. So it's, it's learning to set boundaries and new people in your life and friends and family and test your strength up and for people that are getting out there and dating i'm like this is the best test of whether the person's a narcissist or not set those boundaries early and see listen do they not listen right this is changing your future and not necessarily going backwards because we can't undo what's happened we can only move forward and live for today and tomorrow and so we don't let people or keep people in our life that we're not comfortable setting a boundary with if you're not comfortable setting a boundary with someone that's a red flag i'm afraid if i say something they won't like me or they won't stay you know right a flag big time yeah um that's already for me that's all about the unspoken contract that you have with people right from the beginning so that person has all possibly already kind of told them that it's my way or the highway mm -hmm. not in words but they kind of know it from previous experience yeah, yeah. and um it's also watching them overstep boundaries, isn't it? I love it when you hear about people, a man takes a woman out for dinner and she says, I'll order for you. And nobody would ever do that for me because I like my food. But seriously, that's overstepping boundaries. Mm -hmm. A boundary for me is all about people acknowledging this is where I finish, this is where you begin. Mm -hmm. And there is this respectful space and we meet where we meet mm -hmm. Absolutely. but yeah but there has to be an awful lot of respect yeah and I think for for victims of of abuse as well with boundaries 
they're boundary averse. They're, they are uncomfortable when someone sets one on them because mm. it's unfamiliar. So there's a, a like a decoding of their mind that has to happen to go, it's actually really good that someone sets a boundary on you. That means they've got them and you get to give them back. You get to set them and you get to accept them. And if, if you are okay with what they're saying, you know, there's so many places where we would say, that's not where I want to go. Um, mm. When, when victims are, have boundaries set upon them, it feels foreign because we are so averse to it. We don't set, we didn't set them. And so when someone does it to us, we almost feel like we've done something bad. Oh no, I did something bad. And, and then they're, they're kind of correcting me because it's, it's the mental stuff that the parents put in our head or that the narc put in our head that you don't have the right to those boundaries. So when someone sets it, it, it sets off victims in a different way. Do you find that as well? I can't say I've experienced that a lot. I haven't heard that a lot from clients, no. See, we, I have, I have, I teach a boundary uh, class in my groups and we ask that and they're just like, yeah, I, I just feel so guilty when someone sets it on me that I've done something bad and we have to untangle that and, and be like, it's right. someone sets it. It's not an insult to you. It's them just laying out what works for them and them giving you rules to be in their life. So it, it, it's sort of deprogramming them to know it's okay that someone sets a boundary on you. Mm. Yes. I mean, I think for me, that's a slight languaging issue. I would, if someone said, if a client said to me, I've done something bad, I'd say, Oh, tell me about it, you know, and understand and look at it probably from a different perspective. But yeah. It's it's a big part of recovery for me. And um, mm. you know, fear. I I think I have my first chapter of my book is on fear. <laughs> We've got to learn to control that and manage it. Tell me how you you talk about fear. Oh, again, I mean fear is such an obvious one, but survivors grow up. I mean, people who've been in abusive relationships come out of them, particularly if it's in childhood, believing that a very, very high level of fear and anxiety, which are, of course, two core wounds, um, are normal. They think that that is the way it works. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand how chronically afraid they are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the healing work is creating that safe space so that they can start to have an experience of being safe and being able to be themselves safely and um, state boundaries safely, do whatever it is. But they have to come back to safety. They've got to find an experience of safety mm -hmm. for themselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fear is such a biggie, and then the triggers for fear are so very many. And you've got to find this way of actually coming back to yourself when that happens. Fear, anxiety, and actually despair, stroke, catastrophizing. Again, incredibly normal for um, someone who's been through that and incredibly damaging because... 
you can want to do something and when the catastrophizing kicks in you can just give up totally yeah. until you start to come back and have the wherewithal to work with yourself and say hey that was actually then this is now i'm not that person i can walk myself safely through this scenario and if i can't walk myself safely i'll find someone who can walk me through it safely yeah yeah, yeah. i feel that fear makes really bad decisions when you are full of fear a we stay in a relationship longer than we should because we don't have a way out um but <clears throat> Fear makes us make choices. Um, I can look back at my marriage and go, I definitely was afraid of taking care of myself. And that was used against me later. Mm. I didn't know I, I could do it all myself. So that fear just talked to me and whispered, yeah. you know what? He'll take care of you. Or all of these like recordings, the catastrophizing I am famous for. And really? oh my god i'm 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 like a recovering catastrophizer but my son is the one who points it out and he's like okay mom we just don't have heat we're not being evicted because my brain is like they're gonna get mad at us. Like, <laughs> you know and i know it's like nope you know and and i can't yeah. it's about if you've got something like catastrophizing built into your dna um you mm -hmm. have to understand wait i'm doing that there's no truth to that happening. Where's my brain going? And we have to learn to slow down, accept the reality of that isn't true and, and move on from there. But we have to face our fears and often do it anyway, right? It's one of my favorite books on fear um, is feel the fear mm. it anyway. Um, but we sometimes just have to do things afraid. Fear might well, not go away. We have to push through it and go, that wasn't so bad. I did it. You know, that helps you mm. get rid of the fear by facing it. You know, you may be the world's greatest uh, catastrophizer. Maybe I've been the world's greatest coward. When I was introduced, when I bought Feel the Fear and any Read, Do It Anyway, I couldn't even finish it. It was just, oh, I can't read this. She doesn't understand. But um, I... You know, since I have a very high tolerance, for, uh, well, a high level of fear, naturally, I actually like to bring the fear right down before I do anything. And I like to do that for clients as well, because it kind of, it just works better. Mm -hmm. And the way, one of the ways that that always works is by getting away from the black and white thinking. You know, fear is always, if we don't do this, something dreadful will happen, mm -hmm. which was childhood, which was an abusive marriage. And coming back to this place of, of this could happen, that could happen. What else could happen? Mm -hmm. What else could I create? Mm -hmm. And that kind of for me takes me out of the fear space and seems to do the same for my clients too this remembering that there's more to life than black and white mm -hmm. there are 50 shades of gray yeah. you know and many many other colors besides so yeah it's always i think for me it's really helpful to just get out of that state and and I've been doing a lot for years and years uh, of Course in Miracles, which mm. is looking at it from fear or love. Yeah. And 
you know, just these little reminders just loud and go, oh, and, and I'll tell you this little story. I, last weekend, I, I was sick and laying on the couch and there was an advertisement for Les Miserables. And that's my mm-hmm. favorite play. And I was like, okay, I, I, I'm just going to go by myself. It's oh. exciting. And I want the very best seat. And I just picked the very best seat, but I bought it. And then the tickets came. And I said to myself, the fear like kicked in. And I went, wait a second. Like, I didn't look at the map. Is this nine from the left or am I in the left? And I started to panic. Then I just stopped for a second. It was a momentary thing. And I'm like, why does my brain think that? I'm in the fourth row. Does it matter if I'm on the left or on the right or in the middle? I'm in the fourth row. I love it, right? Mm -hmm. I had to take that, like our, our brain goes to these places and they can be huge things or they can be little things like you should have looked at the map, Tracy. Why didn't you see if it was in the middle or in the, I, and I just realized that's the way my body and my mind is programmed. But within seconds, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I love it. It's okay. No matter where it is, I'm there. That's my dream. Right? So mm-hmm. we have to realize that it's not just the big things that fear comes in for. It's little things. It's I buy the right milk. It, you know, little things like that that are so stupid, but our fear recordings can play into and weave into our daily lives as well. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's so important to remember that you are actually a grown-up woman and that you've done so many more difficult things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um it's the craziest things that can trip us up it really is mm-hmm. yeah so tell me anything else that you think that victims need to do to heal oh i think victims need to start laughing i really do um for me laughter is the most important thing starting to see the humor in everything in and including in their idiotic ex-partners and then you know narcissists are toxic they're dreadful some are physically violent as well and that's not funny but they are also incredibly bad jokes and seriously Mm -hmm. i mean these people think the sun shines out of their backsides really um and starting to laugh at just how pathetic they are you know they are pathetic excuses for human beings they're enormous um emotional toddlers mm-hmm. and what they do is so pathetic i was reminded of something the other day which i would completely forgotten someone said to me that her abusive husband wasn't violent but he used to barricade her in a room and i remember my husband doing that i was in my office and he sort of comes in says his you know poisonous tuppenny halfpenny's worth slams the door and um puts a few chairs against it and storms up what kind of a moron who was a well-paid professional at the time what kind of a moron does that stuff Mm -hmm. it was mildly inconvenient taking the chairs down but you know that's ridiculous and starting to laugh at this stuff yes (laughs) exactly laughter i think is incredibly powerful for bringing everything down to size yeah you know and 
I have a friend who's a comedian and um, I met her because I went to a comedy show and the whole gig, the whole thing was about her narcissistic husband <laughs> and how, you know, she mm. would be so afraid before he came home that she mm. would weeping and, and like making sure there was nothing because he would find a speck of dirt on the floor and, and, and get into a thing and fight. Yeah. And so her whole entire show is just about the stupidity. She goes, mm -hmm. so finally, before he came home, I'm just throwing shit on the floor. She just <laughs> it was awesome. And um, I, I ended up having to go or getting to go to court with her. And she's featured in my book for a uh, contempt of court and getting some things done. But um, it, it's such a powerful thing to laugh and laugh mm -hmm. at the humor of that. I have a video with her that she just, she makes light of every stupid thing that meant a lot and, and in the beginning victims aren't going to be able to hold on to that wasn't funny and uh, but when you find the humor in it, mm -hmm. it has lost its power it it doesn't hold you it doesn't stick to you like velcro absolutely like yeah absolutely. i have a thing in my book which i'm going to see if i can hold up my card that i call narcissists dumbasses <laughs> I go for more wrong. Yes. A chapter going, of course, they're going to do it. They're a dumbass. They're going to keep doing it like a little hamster on the wheel. They're going to go over and do it again and again. You mm -hmm. just, go, of course, they're going to do it instead of going, oh, I can't believe they did it again. Of course, they're a dumbass. They're going to keep doing it. They don't have another trick. This is act one. They don't have anything else. So, you know, mm -hmm. finding the humor in it and belittling the importance of what they're doing by calling them a dumbass, if only that just makes it not as, oh my God, this is happening to me, but yeah, whatever. Of course you're going to do that. You know, got any other tricks is what people end up saying. And that empowers them to not let yeah. them hurt them and hold it. Yeah, absolutely. It brings things down to size very much. So I can remember during my early days in recovery as part of a women's group, and me being me, I naturally hosted them all for a meal in my house, gourmet meal. And we sat there and we were, ended up exchanging the most irreverent anecdotes about our repulsive and often violent exes. And we were all sitting there cackling at what we came out with. And it was such a great feel good lunch. I mean, we were all very raw, but the laughter actually shrunk all our pain and our fear right down and it was very empowering yeah so i think that's a great thing to do absolutely i i started a group um in fact this upcoming monday so the end of february 2023 which they'll see this video maybe years later will be my seven-year anniversary since my narcissist had me arrested and when i was arrested by him I learned the next day, someone said, he's gaslighting you, look that up. And so I started my own group because I needed the help. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, I'll find people that get this. And I just started a group. And seven years later, there's a core of us. There's like 10 women and they go out every single weekend. I go out with them once a month because I just don't have the time they do. But it's shows, it's comedy clubs. We've been to, you know, just all kinds of fun stuff that it just changes the dynamic. I mean, we're seven years out, so everyone's pretty much healed and giving back in some way to the community. Fantastic. But it is just like 
those ladies get me more than the friends I've had for 20 years do. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's finding support is another huge thing in healing. Absolutely. And there's support groups all over the country, as well as in, in Europe. Um, and it's just about finding, like you said, that lunch with other people that get it. Um, it's going to help you heal because you're not alone when you learn that you're not alone. So Facebook groups and things like that are really good to get you into the healing mode, you know, the, the, the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, as you were alluding to, it is such a glorious journey, this journey of healing. Mm. Um, yes, I was just listening to Gabor Mate today and he was talking about sort of the very unpleasant experiences that allow us to grow. Well, narcissistic abuse would rate quite high along that, but nobody wants to go through it. But the journey of healing is an amazingly rewarding and personally enriching one. It really is. Yeah, it is. Did we forget anything? I'm sure we did. <laughs> um, <laughs> because there is so much to say. Um, yeah, it is grieving. People have to understand the the grieving cycle could be the anger, the depression, and it rotates. You know, when they think they're getting healed, then they have a trigger and they either get angry or sad again. They think they're going down the rabbit hole. I'm like, no, you're just in the cycle. We're, we're, you've got to hit anger. That, that trigger yeah. is something you need to understand that made you angry or made you sad. You need mm -hmm. to understand those triggers and learn to, to get them you know, a little less power than they have for you. But as you cycle through the grieving cycle, it's like, that's normal. And they, they just go, okay, I get it now. You know, it was a trigger. Mm. It was Christmas. It was our anniversary. It was something, mm. um, or they did some dumbass thing that triggered me, but it's part of the recovery. It's not, Absolutely. no matter how much work you do, you're going to have a dip. You're going to have a dip. And whether it's anger or whether it's bargaining and, you know, it's always mm. the grieving cycle to not be afraid if you go down a little bit. Absolutely. It's kind of part of being human. And the other thing which uh, is very big for me, which we haven't touched on, is acceptance. Mm. And I was thinking that a lot of us really don't like that word. I don't want to accept anymore because they confuse what they've been through. We confuse what we've been through, which is submission, forced submission with acceptance. And acceptance is just about really owning yourself. Oh, wow, I have these emotions. I'm feeling incredibly fear, afraid. Oh, I lost the plot today. Oh, I know that there are things that I need to do, but I don't think I can. I'm feeling really inadequate and unworthy and accepting all of this and owning these are feelings. There is no judgment with them and being able to accept yourself as a whole human being and be authentically yourself with your frailties, with your qualities, with nothing to prove to anybody because you're just another person on this earth and you're connected in so many ways to so many others and it's beautiful and peaceful and um, i think that's something we all really want to go towards this acceptance 
which includes accepting that it was appalling and they were appalling. Mm -hmm. And it's not having to become all sweetness and light or dumb down any part of yourself or silence any part of yourself. It's just owning it yeah. and being okay with it as you are with it in other people. Yeah. And, and, and the, the opposite of acceptance is denial. So when yeah. we hold on to the mm. denial, we're being yes. held on to them. Like, how yes. could they do that? We've been married for 40 years. How could they? How could they? You know, and, and that's a denial, which is still not moving you to, yeah, it happened. It sucked. They were terrible. And mm. I've learned and grown so much. So yeah. it is part of the recovery to accept what happened and um, accept your role. Um, accept your vulnerabilities, which is mm -hmm. we need to understand why mm -hmm. if it's our family tie, if it's, um, you know, just we had no boundaries and, and whatever it was, we have to see that because then we can heal it. If we don't see it and it all becomes about them. And I'm not saying what they didn't do isn't horrible, but it's horrible. There are things that we have to come and accept about our role in it whether it's just, I didn't even know, neither did you. We didn't know what a narcissist was, right? And no. I was in therapy for seven years through my divorce, through this other bad guy, yeah. and no one ever said the word. So how was I to know? That's what I have as a vulnerability is, man, I needed to, to read up and learn about this sort of thing because it was so familiar that I would have kept on going. And every time I did, they got worse. Um, they definitely, yeah. they amped the game. They knew what I tolerated and it was just a matter of time before those things crept back in. Totally. And, uh, I'm just thinking, as you're saying all of this, how can you know that someone's a narcissist when you've been brought up in that family and you've got your nose pressed up against that window pane and you can't see clearly. It is only when you can start to step back mm -hmm. that you can make sense of it. And God bless the internet for making that kind of thing so easy now. It's so easy to find the information that you need. You know, you just have to start typing in, why does my husband shout at me all the time? Why does he act like he hates me or whatever? And you'd probably get the answers I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so many people look for, and it's just easy now. Oh, so much easier. You know, they've got things like Reddit and you've got Facebook groups and you've got YouTube University. I mean, it is just yeah. to everyone. And um, I am so grateful that you are here today. Thank you so much, Annie. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure. pleasure. It's Well, it's been really great to talk to you. Thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. How can people find out more information about you? They can find out more about me either by going to my website, which is recoverfromemotionalabuse.com or, and I've got a free blog there, which is long form information. And I've got a page on internet, which is at Dr. Underscore Annie PhD, where I'm constantly churning out information about narcissistic abuse and healing and all the aspects of it that uh, I find fascinating. Yeah, thank you. And and yeah. she also has an amazing Instagram account for anybody out there. Um, I, I love every morning I just wake up and I'm just like, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> you're really, you're really it's so easy. Yeah. Well, I think we're 
you know you are too we're doing it um and well it's just a sign that there really is a good life after narcissistic abuse isn't it mm -hmm. yeah and that's what we want everyone to hold on to you yeah. know the other side is quite lovely and when you've done the healing even though mm. their life is not the same you know people give up and lose their house they lose their stuff they lose their friends and the beginning again is so scary but mm. believe that the other side is going to be a beautiful place without the house without the stuff that you mm. might have lost just hold on to that because that gets you through with love versus fear absolutely and we both catastrophize like crazy in our time would you believe back then when you were catastrophizing that you could have a life you're having today no yeah no. me neither yeah and and i i love helping people it is just the greatest gift i know that all of my abuse from marriages to boyfriends to family has led me here so with my experience in understanding this and all of the work i did to heal uh, I'm like, this is what God wants me to do. So I'm embracing it and I just love my clients. So likewise. Um, yeah. In working with one's clients, I think is about helping amazing people become more amazing and more authentically themselves and more vibrant and, you know, for me, that is the greatest gift on this earth. It's just a wonderful thing to be present at. Yeah. It's like watching a flower bloom, you know, mm -hmm. from, from the fear to the happiness and gratitude for, you know, air. We don't even need to be grateful for anything other than what we can see in our, our vision. And mm. that fills our heart with anything other than the fear. So thank you so much for being yeah, here. Pleasure. Thank you. I hope you found that helpful. Isn't she great? I just love her work. Um, we will give you her link down below. Please follow her. And um, this is Tracy Malone. I look forward to seeing you again next time. If you haven't subscribed to my channel, please go ahead or hit the like button. We'd like that too. So have a great day.